Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads discuss the wrestling world of 2019, chewing over the fallout from the All Elite Rally, we hop in our Iger-Pro-powered DeLorean back to 1993, where the only wrestling rally worth speaking about involves Lex Luger and a massive bus. And who be we? I be Tom Campbell, fake Geordie, radio presenter, general British wrestling nuisance, and I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, Cultaholic's ever grafting head pen. Doesn't need a pencil, because he gets it right every time. Justin Henry is in America. How you doing there, Tommy? Doing all good, thank you. And there you heard my Windows firewall, which is also happy to hear from you. How has your week been, sir? Well, the Eagles lost, but I'm still from I'm still optimistic. I was I didn't want to mention the Eagles to you because uh, I did see the over, result and it didn't quite go your way. They overachieved this season. They had a lot of injuries, a lot of uncertainty, and some games they lost that they should have won. And they probably shouldn't have even been in the playoffs, but yeah, they made it the round two, and I'll take that. That was it. I remember last time we spoke, you said they'd sort of scratched and clawed their way to this point. It's a lot easier to lose that game when you have a trophy in your in your case after so many years of not having that trophy whatsoever. So being the defending champions, it does uh, it does take the sting out of it considerably. It felt like a big old win wrestling wise here in the UK this weekend because we had. Uh, I don't know whether you've had a chance to see NXT UK take over Black. I have not. I spent Saturday writing four Royal Rumble pieces for Call to Hollock's website. Oh, yes. And, and honestly, if you haven't done so yet, please go and read them because Justin Henry has managed to sum up some of the biggest moments from the Royal Rumbles from years gone by. They're well, you wonderful will know about it if you read them. Ah, thank you very much. I'm very happy to do them. It's my second favorite pay-per-view out of the year behind WrestleMania. And I've always had an affinity for the Rumble just... The whole mystery of who's going to show up next. The only thing in sport like it, and a lot of people... I saw Jim Smallman from Progress compare mm-hmm. uh, an, an event they did to this particular pop culture event in the UK, and I'm going to compare the Royal Rumble to it as well. The Royal Rumble is a bit like transfer deadline day in football, in soccer, mm. where 
you're, yes. you're hearing about these final pen deals and you're hearing stories of key players getting off the train in Southampton and, oh, I've just seen so-and-so leaving Greg's in Sunderland. And it's a bit like that with Royal Rumble. Like, you're waiting to see who's going to rock up in Phoenix. We had that in America also. It's a trade deadline day in baseball at the, at the very end of July. Which usually results in about about four or five texts at four o'clock going, Why the hell do we do that? So it's the Sego, so it's the same sort of thing, but it's all about the build up to it. It's all about the, the, the potential sightings and all this stuff. And I love rumble oh, sure, season sure. like that. But uh thanks to um NXT UK takeover Blackpool, it has given me another favourite pay per view in January. My <laughs> god, our boys done good. Oh they done good. On a scale of one to five Walter chops, how would you rate it? I'm gonna give it five. There wasn't, there was five matches on the whole show. There wasn't mm-hmm. a single match that was below great. A tag title match that opened the show, oh my God, just, just near full central. You had um, the surprise Jordan Devlin versus Finn Balor match. Like mm-hmm. the guy who trained Jordan Devlin versus Jordan Devlin. Like, whoa, that's nice. Uh, Eddie Dennis and Dave Mastiff, two big blokes who I've had the privilege of watching live in Newcastle. They nearly threw each other into the River Tyne last time they wrestled. They didn't this time because they were in Blackpool. Donker of a no-DQ match. Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley had a brilliant women's title match. And Jesus Christ, 40-odd minutes of Pete Dunne versus Joe Coffey where my heart was in my throat on no less than four occasions. And that was before the fake-out. Little credits in the corner. Thanks for watching. That's TakeOver. Bye, everybody. Long pause and then... Oh, you absolute buggers. There's Walter. (laughs) Now that's enthusiasm right there. Oh, mate. Oh, God. If you watch only one match, I... Gosh... I can't tell you which one to choose. Probably the main. Probably 40 minutes of Pete Dunne and Joe Coffey with near fall after near fall after near fall. Oh, God. They just work their socks off. I'm so proud. So proud of them boys. Well, here's a here's a very deft segue for you. How would you take the, this Raw's opening match here and rank it among the five matches from Saturday? Where would it go? Um. Ooh. Do you know what? I as As, as good as this match was... I think it got lost on the card. Really? Yes. That's a big well, statement. Well, wait until the tidbit I give you at the very end of our review of said match oh. involving one David Meltzer, because that may come as a surprise to you. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. I want us to, before we do it, <clears throat> before we do mm-hmm. anything else, I want us to start at the beginning with this, because one of the other noteworthy stories from um, wrestling in the, in the present was the mm-hmm. fact that they have opened a WWE performance center in the UK. Right. So now in London, we've got somewhere where we can go and learn all the things. And I asked earlier on today on the Cultaholic official fan board on Facebook that if we were to open a new generation era performance center, so go back into like the mid 90s, and open a performance center. Correct. What seminars from new generation superstars would you like to attend? Um, well, for example, I put down refuse disposal advice from Duke the Dumpster Drosy. 
twin mm-hmm. magic techniques with Doink the Clown, and one I thought of you with, Justin, uh, mullet maintenance with Crush. He did have a spectacular mullet, you have to admit that. The answers on uh, the Facebook page, as you've seen, Justin, have been quite phenomenal as always, and thank you for getting involved with our silliness on the Cultolic Classic Raw Review. If I, if I may throw in my own real fast? Absolutely, sir. I would suggest an English class where you would you come up with an, an alliterative name for yourself that ensure that you will never, ever get over. Bastion, <laughs> Booger, Duke, Jerosi... <laughs> Freddy Joe Floyd. <laughs> I'd love to see those people leading that class and going, here's how to come up with a really sucky name with a nice bit of alliteracy. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. You'll never catch on. Well, that didn't, but something else did. <laughs> Try. Um, <laughs> do you remember when JR tried to call him Try? Vaguely. Shawn Michaels and JR in one episode of Raw started calling Hunter Hearst Helmsley try and it was rubbish. N- didn't didn't catch on at all. What year would this have been? Like 97, 98? 97. Late 97. So this is sort of the birth of DX and um, before he was properly Triple H he was still Hunter Hearst Helmsley at this point. Well then, try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to rattle through some of these. And Justin, I would like you to go uh, bronze, silver, or gold. Absolutely. Uh, with these, thank you very much for these ones. Uh, Chris Lappin gives us wrestling terminology 101 with Vince McMahon. Now that's low hanging fruit. That's a bronze. Uh, it's still a good maneuver, though. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. Stuart Jones, I think this might be low hanging fruit again. Promo skills with the Ultimate Warrior. That's not even bronze. That's talcum. Oh, you don't even measure, sir. Sorry, Um, man. It's it's too easy. Carlos Dorado uh, backstabbing with Shawn Michaels and repossession with the Repo Man. How about we skim through and try to find some sort of more clever ones? No offense to these people, but it's (laughs) it's all low-hanging fruit. Okay, okay. Chris Lapid's back. Toothpick darts with Razor Ramon. I like that. See, that's better. That's better. That's that's a silver bordering on gold. Not quite gold, but in the right direction. Um, Damien Stone offers us um, Etiquette 101 with Bastion Booger. You skipped my favorite one from, from his. Dazzling your opponent with gaudy neon gear designed into the cavatina with a clothesline for Rick Steiner. Oh, is that your gold? That's my gold right there. There you go. Thank you, Damien Stone. Thank you kindly. Uh, Owen O'Donnell, counting to three with the one, two, three kid. <laughs> This is for referees only. GTFO. <laughs> How about Ron Motter with the first annual Dean Douglas Spelling Bee and Grammar Rodeo? Well, he worked in the Simpsons reference, so that gets the silver at least. Well done. Uh, Love Owen Charlton, Greek mythology with Mantor. Okay, that's a little bit better silver because, you know, Mantor, you don't think... You don't think... Uh, stutter, stutter, you... You don't think Greek mythology, you think a crappy gimmick. So, True. at least he's tying it to something a little bit more ambitious. Um, let's go with Owen O'Donnell back again. Nuclear physics with Adam Bomb. Please. <laughs> Justin is not impressed tonight. Yo. <laughs> okay, Carl Ingle, how to perfect your racial stereotype with Tatonka. You said his name really faster, and I thought you said something else. You said Carlingle, and I'm like, <laughs> see, now, That's now that would be a very class. different, you naughty pervert. I'm pretty sure they didn't teach that in the new generation era, but uh, <laughs> uh, 
can't endorse mocking Tatanka's heritage there. Sorry. Well, I'll tell you what. He gives us a better one a bit further down. I like this one because it, it, it ties into uh, classic Raw review canon. Um, communication <laughs> skills with L.A. Gore. Brackets. Give and, us three rings, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Any L.A. Gore references are gold. Hey, well, hey, Carl. Um, James Pearson, financial management with IRS and Repo Man. <laughs> Why was that not a tag team? Exactly. I thought that when I saw that. They should have been a tag team. Why don't they call Godfather and Valvina supply and demand? <laughs> oh, they, I'm sure they did. I, I don't think it was like a pipe that, dream. That came it might have been like a casual <laughs> nickname. I don't think it was ever like on a on a banner or anything. It was like it was like how everybody called Gene Snitsky's pump handle pump handle slam the coat hanger, but it was never actually called that. But it just called on on an internet cannon. <laughs> um, it, I think it might be one of those then, like an internet cannony one. Um, exactly. <laughs> Ryan Palmer, cutting promos that sound like you're <laughs> chewing batteries, hosted by Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Having seen his wonderful promos on the Warzone video game, I gotta give that at least a silver. <laughs> and I guess a lithium, actually. Oh. James D, how to stay employed long past your usefulness with Bob Backlund? Go to hell, James D. <laughs> Bob Backlund is always useful. Do you understand? I watched uh, Royal Rumble 93 over the weekend, and he was in that match for well over an hour. Yes, he was. He, he had the record for 11 years. <laughs> um, Damien Stone, like this one. Blacksmith and alchemy skills with karma. Well, now you're just mixing things there. That's at least a silver because it's, it's a combination package. It's, I like that because obviously he turned the Undertaker's urn into chains. So there's a nice little thing there. like that. Um, Dylan Kench, aerospace engineering with Max Moon. Is this is the Conian version or the Paul Diamond version? Um, I'm going to assume the Paul Diamond version because he was around long enough to do a to do a seminar. I think Conan was booked, but Conan couldn't make the seminar, so they just put Paul Diamond in instead. Did you ever see the photo of Conan backstage wearing the costume without the mask and Vince standing next to him? I've seen that. I have indeed. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite the size. Wasn't there <laughs> rumor that Rob Van Dam was meant to be Max Moon? It might have just been a rumor. I don't think he was ever really set up for that. Uh, Mohammed Manza, if I were a wrestler and WWE managed to sign Zack Sabre Jr., that is the seminar I would attend. That wasn't what we were looking for, Mohammed. Um, <laughs> but it's that's that's nice to know. Thank you. That's um, our our literal fan base. <laughs> Thanks for playing anyway, though. <laughs> uh, hot digging, hot dogging, and grandstanding with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> You skipped my favorite one so far from James D. Oh, the, the benefits of a pinfall victory in the Royal Rumble, <laughs> starring Macho Man Randy Savage. The referee didn't count. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Um, how not to be a nugget with Owen Hart. Oh, come on now. That's not even a new generation. That's it's, attitude. It is attitude era, I'm afraid. So he was not allowed to give a class. Uh, as I think the same answer is for Doll Maintenance with Al Snow. That is also... Well, that uh, might be useful given, given all these cybernetic sex dolls that they have now. That's actually timely, so that's at least a silver. <laughs> okay, so th those are some of the, the, the best ones. Have I missed any off that you like? No. No? <laughs> okay, you have not impressed the Justin. For that, there will be a longer winter and a bad <laughs> harvest this year. <laughs> 
There will be other <laughs> surveys here, so fear not. Maybe I'm just cranky because I, I had four hours of sleep and, and I had to shovel snow this morning, so. Oh, really? is it snowing where you are? Quite badly. Uh, yeah, there's about four inches on the ground. Oh. I mean, it's it's sunny now, but it four snowed yesterday. Huge. I'll let that lay. <laughs> so I'm told. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, look, you, you, you have upset Justin. He is basically <laughs> Lord Summer Isle from The Wicker Man. As a result, there'll be no harvest. So well done. Uh, Wait, am I the one from... Am I uh, Ellen Burstyn or am I, or am I the one from the older movie? You're from the newer one because I'm Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Not the bees! That does make sense. <laughs> but Thank I you. know it will. <laughs> All Thank you for playing put... along with our silliness. It is much appreciated. Only now to put John Eiley in, in some sort of costume. Or no, put you in the bear costume so you can punch John Eiley. John? You what? <laughs> John, you're up. 16 minutes in, you're up. The fake uh... Geordie, man. <laughs> no, John's a, John's a... I'm sure John's a real Geordie. Not talking about you. Oh, I'm the fake Geordie. Yeah, John, yes. uh, Nicolas Cage outfit. Um... From from the Wicker Man, put me in the bees helmet. Just Google well, it. We go from, well, we go from fake Geordies to fake Hogan's as we start this show here. Okay, so where and when are we this week on Monday Night Raw, Justin? It is the 26th episode of Monday Night Raw, which aired July 19th, 1993. We are at the world-famous Manhattan Center in New York City. And we begin with campaign footage, quote-unquote of Lex Luger and his call-to-action campaign. Vince calls him a humble, patriotic Lex Luger, like it's a freaking campaign ad. He's out there almost literally kissing babies and shaking hands and making campaign promises while wearing red, white, and blue Zubaz. It does feel like, uh, like, a, like, a, like a proper presidential call to action, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> All that's missing are the, anti, are the anti-Yokozuna ads. Yokozuna says he's a worthy world champion. And they showed this doctor photo of him shaking hands with Hitler or Mussolini <laughs> or something. The obvious one there is to go, Yokozuna <clears throat> says he's the biggest star in Japan, but is he really Japanese? See, that's what they should have done. <laughs> Did you know that his manager pulled these evil ribs on people? The ass he was, the Al Fuji was, it was a class A ripper. From my understanding, this whole thing feels like a rib of his. <laughs> they have to really heavily edit this footage of the Lex Luger call to action, um, because when he's on the mic and he's talking to people, he's really boring. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is so prevalent on the WWE Network now, where they have uploaded like ninety minutes worth of uh, Lex Express footage. Some of it unseen, and when you start watching it, you realize why. Yeah, this is like watching the Dick Cavett show, <laughs> as opposed to like Sabado Gigante, which is at least energetic and exciting. This is like, so, I'm going to wrestle Yokozuna for the championship. It's like he's getting paid by the second that he's working. He's just hes just a bit of a black hole of charisma. I'm sorry to say. You're strapping your rocket to, 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 a, to a guy like this. I think 
it's, it's of a different time. And do you know what? We'll talk more on this because a bit later on tonight, we do have another um, update from the tour, from the campaign trail from Lex Luger. Yeah, and I have some questions about it when we get to that point. But let's start out with a tremendous match. Oh my well, God! What a way to kick it off! Yeah. Well, first we have Vince talking. We have Vince at ringside with Savage and Heenan, and he's discussing Mom, not his mother, mind you, but Men on a Mission. Because tonight they're making their in-ring debut here on Monday Night Raw after two weeks of alleged music videos. <laughs> I like how they're alleged. I just find it weird how Vince defaults to calling them mom because we don't know what they're not established as men on a mission. You surely you call them men on a mission. If you keep calling them mom, it doesn't make any sense. That I think is the least of their problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's yeah. You pick your fight, but I think Vince going the debut of mom. It doesn't it just it's just a bit weird. And after that, after that, I noted that Savage has to be the one to plug Tiny Tim on the King's Court. Oh my god! Which I, which after that I put JFC, but I spelled the words out. <laughs> oh, we are tiptoeing through the tulips later on. Jeez! I have to say in advance, it was not as crappy as I remembered. It's still crappy, but I was expecting like, like global devastation bad. This is merely like tire fire bad. Your, your memory has clearly m sort of mutated over the years to make it yes, much worse I'm... than it actually was. I've watched a lot of old Raw over the years out of nostalgia. I never rewatched re that segment because why the hell would I? I'm excited to, in, to, to, to talk about Tiny Tim, who I, <laughs> which we will see later. He's done a very convincing thing that I'm very excited to discuss Tiny Tim. Because I've never, in my 30, nearly 35 years of being a human, uh, experienced Tiny Tim until the last few days. What the hell were you before you were 30, <laughs> these 35 years? Cl 30 clearly, years of being a human? Well, I was, uh, I was a, I identified as a radiator for several of the years. <laughs> While I was in the primordial stew, I did listen to a little bit of Tiny Tim. <laughs> I heard a little bit of him whilst I was a glint in the milkman's eye. <laughs> he, played on the, he played on the radio all day while he made his deliveries. Oh, he loved it. And my mum. So, <laughs> Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty for the Intercontinental Championship. There are two things different from the last time they faced off for the belt in this show. One, Shawn has Diesel with him. And two... We have a special guest in the front row in the crowd. Did you happen to see who it was? If you look very closely, facing the hard camera in the front row ringside is future ECW valet, the Queen of Extreme, Francine. Re how did I miss her? Exactly. How did you miss She's her? She's got massive the eyes. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yes. Did I, well, I miss her? Uh, she actually appears at quite a few episodes of Roland in this time frame here. Just turning up she as a fan to watch it. Yeah, she was like in just I guess early twenties. She was just a fan from the area. I think I know. I think I know how I missed it first time round because this is the wrestling geek in me coming out. I missed a, an attractive woman in the crowd because I was too busy writing down. Oh, it's a different coloured strap on the Intercontinental Title. <laughs> that says far too much about me than I really deem to admit. Well, in in fairness, I I did read through uh, the the write-up on the history of WB.com before watching the show, and it says, Future ECW wrestler Francine was in the crowd. I'm like, oh, okay. 
this is one of the shows she was at, and I was kind of scanning for her like Jack Bauer would. So she was there, so. Um, and so she, and so therefore she'll be there for the next couple of weeks. Uh, next, uh, next week's show for sure. I, I know she's there when Doink turns face a few months from now, because she, she was right on camera when it happened. Not sure any other specific moments where she was there, but yeah, definitely those two. Okay, so we'll we'll play a game of Spot Francine in the next couple of weeks on the yeah. Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Oh, it's a fun game. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the IC title is a black strap now. Uh, yes. It was a green strap when the Warrior had it. It was a white one when Michaels won it. I can't find any reason why they changed the color of the strap other than they just wanted to bring it in line with the with the mm-hmm. main belts, maybe. Well, I know. Sure. Well, it was black strap back in the eighties when when Steamboat had it. I think. Yeah, and then they changed it to a green one, and then a white one, and oh. now it's back to the black one. I think Warrior and Sean just had different designs just to kind of you know color things in a little bit. It was definitely a black strap when Brett had it, and Piper. I seem to remember Shawn Michaels had like a light blue one as well. He may have a, you know, the comes like a turquoise color. There's, there's, I'm sure there's somebody who is a bit of a belt aficionado who can shed some light on oh, it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> if you can, that would be great. So, so this match is... Oh, this match here was voted match of the year by pro, by the readers of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, if you can believe that. Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty 3? Three? 3, 4, somewhere in there, because uh, you got the Rumble, got the first title change, the house show rematch, now this. Okay, so maybe this is the fourth one. And so, you can tell that these two have... have they've, they've, they've got a shtick now they've they've got a, a proper not that they, they didn't have chemistry before because they really did but you can tell they've mm. they've really fine-tuned it now yeah this match is definitely it's very on point from both men and they're very uh it was a very fluid match all the way through it wasn't like the that last raw match they had where marty kind of dominated and sean just kept escaping through the skin of his teeth until he finally didn't in the end marty debuts his rocker-esque bodysuit here the all black with the neon hexagons on it i liked it it was like a throwback to the rocker stuff like marty never really changed out of the rockers gear but this felt fresh it's a fresh look for marty Janetti. it was very rockerish maybe like he was trying to convince sean to come back with him that would have been a nice little touch but um and they never really hinted at that i'd liked it to have been the case savage says of diesel bigger than the empire state building no doubt (laughs) savage just going off on one as always I wasn't. I wasn't sure if this was hyperbole or not. He, I. I would. I. From any other human being, I would say it was hyperbole. But from Savage, I'm like he probably just thinks that's how big the Empire State Building is. At one point, Vince actually says, "Cool dude in a loose mood," and I had no idea to whom he was referring to. <laughs> that is such a '90s turn of phrase. Cool dude in a loose mood. It was definitely gnarly. <laughs> oh. The thought of a loose nice... mood, though, makes me think, has he got, like, like a bowel complaint? <laughs> yeah. Well, it means you're not stopped up. You've you stopped eating cheese long enough to let the natural flow go. <laughs> you are once again a cool dude in a loose mood. <laughs> as, as, as opposed to a loose dude in a cool mood? That's when you have a bowel complaint and you're stuck in the freezer. Yes. <laughs> and that's not going to help, either. No, oh, no, that's the, that's the worst of all scenarios. <laughs> We had a great spot early on where Marty lands on his feet off of a backdrop, and then he rattles off a few fake three counts. And I say fake three counts because Vince insists they were three counts. I mean, really tries to go, he goes to town on these. What's there? Yes, he definitely got him. That's definitely like that. He's good like that. 
There was a good bit for... where where the, near the beginning of the match, Shawn Michaels couldn't land anything on Janetti. And and Janetti kept ducking, dodging, weaving. And Shawn Michaels went for a super kick and mm-hmm. Marty ducked through it. And Shawn just stopped the attack and just started like like a petulant child, just stomped back a, into the corner. There was no counter move that Sean missed in the super kick. It was just, God damn it, as he punched his fist up and stomped his feet. It was, it. It was great. It was it was classic Shawn Michaels. It was just that he just he was trying so hard to hit something on Marty Jannetty and then just gave up. He went, oh, for God's sake, don't matter. As opposed to just having a counter for every counter and a counter to every counter to every counter, just one guy gets pissed off. Brilliant. <laughs> nice little character touch. Love that so much. And then we get a really weird moment here. Well, first Vince insists that Marty was the superior rocker. Then he, is, then he, for some reason, goes, "You probably voted for Spiro Agnew too." And even Vince goes, "Who?" But then he admits that. <laughs> but then he has to play dumb and or stop playing dumb and admit that he knows who Spiro Agnew is, and says he wasn't old enough to vote for him. Spiro Agnew was the vice presidential nominee alongside Richard Nixon in 1968 when Vince was 23 years old. So shut the f up, Vince. <laughs> you were too old enough. <laughs> He was the 39th <laughs> vice president. I'm not sure vice presidential numbers, but it does sound about right, yeah. Uh, and fun, fun fact about Spiro Agnew, I can't remember who came up with this. This is like 50 years ago. Someone on TV revealed that if you rearrange letters in Spiro Agnew's name, it spells grow a penis. <laughs> oh, God. That was edgy TV 50 years ago. <clears throat> it was modified to grow a spine, which it, it does also spell, but grow a penis is funnier. That's the last thing you would want if you were a politician to have your name be an anagram of anything, really. The best anagram ever is Clint Eastwood, whose name changes into Old West Action. Does it? Yes, it does. That's ace. I love that. That's called Predestiny right there. Oh, well done. Well done. (laughs) We get a spot where Marty hits a flying clothesline and Vince yells, Cover him! Cover him! (laughs) I mean, Vince could not be more into this match. He's truly, like, into this. It's it's Vince incredible. Is, Vince is cheering Marty on. Francine's cheering Sean on. I'm trying to imagine Francine in, like, 1997 managing DX Sean. That would have been a great combo. That would have been pretty phenomenal, to be fair. She wouldn't mm. fit so well with Shawn Michaels. Oh, that would have been, like, the... And, and the best part is it, it'd be another reason for Shane Douglas to hate Sean. Because Sean would have stolen Francine from him. Yep. Yeah. And, and the one thing that Shane Douglas needs is more fuel, more more wood to pile on that chip on his shoulder. How <laughs> um, uh, small world they live in. <laughs> so Marty goes for the classic rocker flying fist drop. Sean rolls away, but Marty lands on his feet. Sean gets up. Marty hits a DDT, and he pins him. Problem is, Sean had his foot on the rope. Diesel's protesting. Marty's running around celebrating. And they go to commercial at that point. That was good. That was that was excellent. Normally they're a bit crap with when they go to commercial and stuff like that, but that was so perfect because even Vince was going like, "We've just got underway. We've already changed the belt. We got Monogam on Raw." So you kind of go away from that thinking, "Get in, new champion." So when we come back and see mm-hmm. the first thing that we see, it's a it's a proper jarring moment. It's Marty and Sean brawling at ringside, and Vince has to dutifully tell the audience that. Well, the decision was reversed during the commercial break, and the match has to continue because Bobby Heenan basically dragged Earl Hebner over to the commentary table and showed him the replay manually. Here's my problem with this. I mean, that makes sense. It does make sense, but you have a titantron in wrestling. 
How many screw job finishes have there been in the last twenty something years? How they are very for the, for the... selective on when they clue the referee yes. into there being an issue. <laughs> Every Sasha Bailey Riot Squad match in the last three decades that it feels like just just this one of the Titans run. Look, the third one interfered. Oh crap! Just restart the match then. All right, thanks. <laughs> God, Raw, if, if, if we had to restart the match every time there was shenanigans, God, Raw exactly. would be five hours long. <laughs> Stop playing everyone's music for a distraction. <laughs> but but you know what? Bobby numbers. Heenan is, is once again proving how great he is in this role because the mm-hmm. greatest bad guys and heels, not just in, in wrestling, but in pop culture, are those that truly stand by their convictions. And they're not just bad because they are bad, lol, 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 lol. They're bad, <laughs> because, but they believe that they're good. And Bobby Heenan was defending himself because Vince and Savage were really getting on his case, saying, I can't believe you did that. You can't. And Bobby was like, well, and, and absolutely right. Bobby Heenan was spot on. Bobby's like, well, he had his foot on the ropes. And he was like, are you telling me? That if it had been the other way around and it had been Marty with his foot on the robes, you wouldn't have called the referee over and they both shut up. Savage did that with the double doink thing with Jeanette a few weeks earlier, didn't he? Exactly. So, like, there's no room for him to talk. Exactly. So, why Savage all pissy? It's been, that was three weeks ago. I think it happened 10 years ago and he, and he had a reason to forget about it. I just thought Bobby was great because he was Vince and Savage were giving him such a tough time for it, and Bobby was actually absolutely right to get the ref over because there was no shenanigans. It wasn't like Diesel had put Sean's foot on the rope. Sean's foot was just Sean had put his own foot on the rope, so it was like exactly. a legit like you ref you you buggered this up. The match needs to carry on. And he insisted that he's a decent man and all that stuff. No, it was a pretty funny bit. But back to the action, Marty takes his wild bump to the floor off of a running knee to the back because Marty bumps like a madman, as we all know. Mm. We get the best double down of all time where Sean and Marty run into each other. Sean falls down, gets back up, and then slinkies through the ropes and just falls to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you could almost hear the wily Coyote accordion sound as he walked away for that little bit. So we come out of a second commercial break, which, is, which I know this is going to be an epic match. Savage insists is one of the greatest matches he's, he's ever seen. I'm kind of mixed there because as great as this match was, back at that time, would it have been one of the best ever? I I don't think... I think this was good, but I don't think this is the best match that's been on Raw. Okay, fair I've enough, really fair enjoyed enough. it. Really enjoyed it. But, like, we had Janetti and Doink the other week, which I thought was, was excellent. I kind of... I, I kind of... I'm almost thinking that I preferred... Their first match on Raw, Sean and Jeanette from a few weeks Ooh, prior. I will respectfully disagree with you on that one. I think oh. this is their better one. Okay. But we'll, but we'll continue on here. But don't, have, don't get me wrong. This is still a great match. This is still like this is still fantastic. We have a great moment, a, a great 1993 moment where, where some dude in the crowd is leading everyone through a chant of "Whoop!" There it is. Yeah, that was a bit odd. Like he turned his back on the ring. And was like a conductor, <laughs> getting this small section of the crowd to saying, whoop, there it is. I, I noticed Francine wasn't chanting it. She was having none of it. No, she's a Sean girl. Yeah, absolutely. Although Marty's chant is not, whoop, there it is, as far as I know. That's not rock, that's rap. Yeah. Rap is crap. Well, not necessarily. 
That's, what, have a great that's song. what Kurt Hennig said in the 90s. Maybe that's why he didn't help Marty in this match. It's true. Sean has his front face lock on for a long time, using the ribs for leverage, a la Flair. Then Marty just scoops him up after an eternity and drops him crotch first on the top rope, just blatantly so. Sean tries for a powerbomb, Janet hits a Rana for two. Vince insists it was three. Of course he does. So then we get the rocker dropper from Janetti, or as I put here, the Charles Austin neckbreaker. Sean falls into the ropes a la the Andre the Giant tie-up. And after pounding Sean for a bit, Marty runs off the opposite side. Sean frees his arms and ducks down as Marty flies at him. And Marty, I put in all caps, wipes the hell out on a crossbody. Oh, he just blats on the ground, doesn't he? He lawn darted himself over the ropes. Like, I'm not sure... I'm not sure if Diesel could have thrown him farther than Marty threw himself there. Just absolutely just planked, hit the ground. Oh, God, it was uncomfortable. And then Bobby Heenan does me proud by quoting three baseball personalities in one sentence. First, he goes, back, 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 gone, which is Chris Berman on ESPN's coverage of the Home Run Derby every year. And then uh, and then it was Harry Carey with a holy cow. And then Mel Allen's, how about that? <laughs> So those are three baseball references. Yes, in just one, one, one very tight sentence. Excellent. Diesel throws Marty back in. Sean covers what's left of him, gets the pin. It's a damn good match. Maybe, perhaps not the match of the year. I'd probably go either Flair Vader from Starcade or Brett versus Perk from King of the Ring. But still a great match. And that was the only involvement that Diesel really had, where <laughs> he just picked up the lifeless body of Janetti and rolled him back in. So Sean could cover him, and it's like it's one of those things where if Janetti had been given had been left alone, he probably would have had the ten count to get his bearings back together, and the fight would have continued because Diesel picked him up relatively quickly and just pushed him into the ring. Had no energy left to kick out. It was simple and very. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Very effective. And it made for a great finish. It makes Sean look like he just barely won. 
makes Mario look like he had the match in hand until he really screwed up. Now, my question for you, Tommy. Mm-hmm. I found Dave Meltzer's rating for this match. I'm, I'm not sure how you jive star rating-wise, but if you had to give this some snowflakes, some asterisks, what would you give this match? I would give this match... I go four out of five. Four out of five? Four out of five. Okay. Four, four, four Randy Savage hats out of five. <laughs> That's like just barely on the cusp of match of the year candidate, but, but not quite so. That, that sounds about right from your analysis. Mm-hmm. What do you think Dave Meltzer gave this match? Now, this was voted the Pro Wrestling Illustrated match of the year, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. So there's a lot of fan support behind it. But Dave can be a funny bugger. I reckon mm-hmm. Dave gave it three. Four and three quarters. Whoa! I stand corrected, Lord Meltzer. My apologies. Meltzer loved this match. So do you have his um, match report there? Uh, yes, I do. Let me just scroll down real fast. Because I'm intrigued to see... Because Dave Meltzer, um, only in this century, gave his first six-star match. No, so to go back this far and have a four and three quarter star match. That's actually not true, to be honest with you. Did you give a six star match in the 90s? Yes. Yes, someone in 94. It was Misawa and I think Kenta Kobashi. Oh. I, I, I could be very wrong on that, but I, I know for sure Misawa was involved. But there's so, so there's two six star matches. Uh, yes, and some beyond that. Oh. <laughs> I, I have it right here. Okay. I stand corrected, Dave. The 719 Monday Night Raw show featured the best match on WWE television perhaps ever with Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty in the four and three quarter range. It says, I'll skip ahead here. He says, these two worked almost a state of the art style match combining lucha moves and choreographed spots, Japanese pacing, and a little American psychology. Well, four. I need to learn to shut up because I said this is even the best match they've ever had. <laughs> state of the art, like... apparently. <laughs> I would have said four and a quarter. I would have put it on the same level as Marty Doink and the Flair Perfect Loser Leaves match for best Raw match at this point. And then we get a weird moment where Savage tries to bully Bobby Heenan into watching Mania because he's on it now. Man, they're getting desperate. Oh, they go back and forth here, don't they? Because um, they they show um, they 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 got Savage saying, "Watch, hey Bobby, watch Mania because me and Todd Pettengill are on it." And then Bobby Heaton's going, well, you should watch All-American because I've got Mean Gene Oakland on mine. And we complain there's too much wrestling nowadays. There was a lot of wrestling shows in the 90s, wasn't there? Yes, there was. And not a lot of it very good either. That's it. It's, it's like, at least now, like, there's lots of wrestling, but it all has some sort of storyline consequence. It's not just like two, two announcers backpacking around the country. But by the way, here's Berserker versus Tito Santana. Well, you should watch Worldwide because uh, State Patrol wrestle on there against Bob Cook. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm there. So the reason they're bickering is because Vince McMahon is in the ring. Because he's calling out Money Incorporated. Ooh. And, and Vince goes through his, his new pastime of uh, of mocking the heels that he interviews because Vince thinks he's a comedian. He says... Can we suggest that the Steinbrothers' new pastime is beating those two for the tag team belts? And I put, what a douche. Is it a lack of trust in the guys telling the story? It's Ted DiBiase. How little faith can we have in him to get, I get know, the story right? I know, and that's what I'm thinking. Because, like, surely you should be able to let these guys, 
get the reactions that you want them to get. This isn't like Mr. Fuji where you have to help him spell out what he's trying to get across. This is Ted DiBiase who can fend for himself. Maybe because Raw is so... Maybe it's because they've been in that situation before. Remember that the, the only episode of Monday Night Raw that Hulk Hogan was on? And mm-hmm. that bit with Brutus that went on and on and on and on to the point where The Undertaker had like a 30-second match for the main event. Oh, that's possible. Like, wait a minute. Are you trying to say in succinct terms that... Yeah, so Vince is, there to, Vince is there just to kind of push things along. That's possible. Or maybe he just trusts himself the most to tell the story and he thinks that, well, I know it better than everybody else, so I'm going to get to the cross. Yeah, that's very possible as well. But it, it leaves you with these great vocalists, not singers, mm-hmm. but like these great these great characters, these great orators with nowhere, nothing to say because Vince has already said it all. Yeah, it's... But, but the point is, gotten across. First, IRS plugs the tag team title match with the Steiners, which although that was on Superstars, and then DiBiase goes back to mocking Razor for losing to the one two three kid once, and then losing all his money to him the following time. And this time, Razor walks out to confront him in the in a tremendous shirt and maroon pants. Oh, what a look this was! <laughs> Razor had the best outfits. <laughs> you gotta be like a certain level of tough to wear that place to place. And Scott Hall embodied that because that's sort of character that could pull that off. He had the right amount of swagger and toughness, as well as self-confidence, obviously. So then DiBiase suggests offering Razor some domestic jobs, like washing his car, doing stuff around the house, you know, while he's away on business, wrestling and all that. Of course, Razor, uh, he, he's a man's man here, says he doesn't work for them. And Vince goes, money ain't, yeah, he doesn't work for you, how about that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Razor doesn't need your help, Vince. And DiBiase, in a classic blunder move, takes a, takes a few hundred dollar bills and smacks Razor across the face with him. So Razor yeah. shoves him down. So Razor shoves him down. Then he grabs IRS and sends him flying over the top rope. And then Randy Savage has what may have been the best moment he's had so far on Raw. I don't know if this was on purpose or he just... Had a little flub here, but he, as soon as Iris hit the floor, Savage yells, Butamus! <laughs> well, yeah, what did Butamus mean? It's half beautiful, half tremendous? I I, I don't know. Butamus! <laughs> Maybe Randy Savage was trying to invent a new word. Maybe he was trying to pronounce Brutus the way that uh, Homer tried to pronounce trampoline. Tramapoline! Tramapoline! <laughs> and I just... <laughs> Just the ecstasy in his brain prevented him from pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> Butamus! I, I don't... At Tom Campbell, at JRH Writing, your best uh, definitions for the word butamus this week, please. John, if you could come up with the Funkin' Wagnalls dictionary picture of what butamus could, could embody, what it would look like. This but... is an open-ended one. This is not a specific one. Yeah, John, what be is... creative with that one. Yes, John, have free will. <laughs> you have free will today, John. You'll be back in your cage <laughs> on Wednesday. Well, the crowd cheer pretty wildly for Razor to solidify the babyface turn. Yeah, so this happens. is his turn, isn't it? This is officially his turn. Well, he's told off two heels and he beat the crap out of both of them, so I'd say that's a face turn. Pretty cut and dry. And uh, and, and he leaves. He gives him a bit of a punch as he leaves. <laughs> then Ted DiBiase gets on the mic and challenges the one, two, three kid to a match. Because he says he wants to embarrass 123Kid quicker than Razor Ramon could. 
you know, so you embarrass two people. You embarrass kid by beating him, and then you embarrass Razor by doing something he couldn't do. I like that. It's a nice way to bring the one, two, three kid into this, into this mess. I like it. After that, we have a bumper screen uh, hyping up the debut of Men on the Mission next, and it's not your standard bumper screen. It's got the graffiti letters M O M in neon green spray paint on the screen. They leave their tag places. And it's a very simple tag. Well, first, it does prove one thing. It proves that the NWO stole their best concepts from Men on the Mission. <laughs> so, so, Mom, with the first noir. The following announcement has been paid for by Men on a Mission. Yeah! Yeah! Aw, <laughs> uh, yeah! Fat yo, 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 Steve. buy the shirt! Quick survey. Nothing rhymes with survey. I will say, though, I actually like this match coming up. Yeah, it's Men on a Mission making their debut against... against Ramblin' Rich Myers and a man by the name of Hank Harris, who I've never seen before, possibly never since. Myers was checking out Asemis Clarides, the very attractive ring girl before the match. I can't really blame him. Vlad in the front row was very happy to see Men on the Mission. He's super into this. And really that, there were some that very exciting people in the front row. Yeah, the crowd was really into this. I, I gotta say that. So it's Men on the Mission, consisting of Mabel, who you might know better as Viscera, who the, the eventual king of the ring in 1995, and his partner Mo, who's probably about 280 and stands about six foot two. Either way, they're both behemoths, but in different ways. They're like nesting dolls of the same wrestler. They are big lads wearing yes. purple quilted outfits. They Stylish just the looked a state. <laughs> It's 1993. Come on. I know, but oh gosh, this was this is just an assault on the senses. It really was. It was it was timely. It was very timely. So the match begins after Oscar wraps them out, and I use that term loosely. Mabel clotheslines Harris over the ropes. Harris has a bizarre outfit. I should point out. I think he's wearing a diaper over a singlet. I was too busy distracted by the two balls of purple quilt. That had entered the ring for this match. <laughs> they did hit a really awesome move where Mo gave gave old Ramblin' Rich a drop toehold, and Mabel leg dropped him right in the back of the head, and the crowd went nuts for it. It's, good, it's a good combo move. 500 pound man leg drop in the back of your neck. He would do deadly things with that leg drop as his years would go on. <laughs> yes, he would. Mabel throws Ramblin' Rich across the ring with an authoritative slam. Harris, Harris comes in next. More of the same for him. He gets finished off by the combination Bulldog Splash where Mabel puts him down by the corner, stands over him, Mo tags in, and Mo Bulldogs Mabel onto the guy. So that's about 700 pounds of weight, 800 pounds of weight landing on a guy. They have some nifty moves, you got to admit that. I mean, we nearly missed the finish because the, <laughs> the camera was focusing on Oscar who was going, are you watching Money Inc? Are you watching Head Shrinkers? Just naming tag teams. And we end to the point where we, we the camera just cut back as the move was in mid-motion. Yes, but it did catch it just barely. And I guess the match wasn't bad. It was fine. It, it, did, it did a job. It was there to, to establish the arrival of men on a mission. Um, and, and it was fine. They, the crowd liked it. They, that's, uh, who am I to, in 2019, sat in a spare room in a house overlooking the Geordie land to, to question the, 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 the feelings and the joy of New York in 1993 when men on a mission walk out. 
I mean, really, they had the Islanders, they had the Knicks, they had the Mets. There wasn't a lot going on in 93. Yeah, they needed Mom. Yes. <laughs> and, uh... They are well they and truly here. I mean, as a tag team, they will stand out. Because, like, in my head, like, watching, like, the, they are big. Like, because they're not just, like, large. They're tall, especially Mabel, who is, yeah. like, a beast of a human being. Like, he's nearly seven foot. Like, why did he have to be Mabel? Like, like... You have this big Goliath. Okay, maybe he's a little green in the ring. Maybe he's inexperienced and he's a little clunky at times. But he could be something one day. He's still young and you can't teach size. Yeah, Mabel was a weird choice of a name. Um... Like what other M names could you come up with? Michael. Mitch. Moses. Moses. No, we've got Mo. You can't have Mo and Moses. Ah, ah that's true. Mandrew. <laughs> <laughs> Medward, 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 and Mo. How about Mickey? Mickey and Mo. <laughs> I'm okay with this. Mickey, Oscar, Mo. <laughs> well, okay, Mickey might be a little stretching it a bit here, but Mickey, he is now Mickey. If anyone asks, Mabel is now Mickey. How about Megatron? I am down with Megatron. See, he should have been the Shockmaster with that, with that name, Megatron. Oh, God. See, Megatron, the wall, the whole, Oscar, and Mo. The whole building goes with him when he falls to the wall. <laughs> Megatron, Oscar, and Mo. Yeah, that's fine. We might just call it... Can we call him Megatron from now on? Camera does the pan in, pan out thing here, which is obviously a Kevin Dunn touch. Hi, Kevin, we see you. If we go to the SummerSlam report where Mean Gene is dancing because Metal Mission music is still playing. What I will say is, and and I've given Mean Gene some grief in these little report bits in the past. I have. Um, I'm very aware that he's no longer with us, and um, I'd say it's wrong to make fun of those who aren't here. But I've just I've just said the state of Nelson Fraser. Um, but um, I I am learning to love these bits with Mean Gene. Yeah, Mean Gene is a. Uh... He's adding his own zest to it in his final weeks in the company. Yeah, he's he's not phoning it in, that's for sure. SummerSlam is sponsored by Chevrolet, maker of vehicles that Lex Luger wins in Body Slam contest. Yeah, that was a weird like summer. It was sponsorship by Chevrolet for SummerSlam. It's almost as good as when uh, I think it was Colt Forty Five Malt Liquor sponsored Saturday Night's main event back in the day. And that's Harrison a great sponsor. For this. <laughs> Was it Schlitz or Colt 45? I can't remember. Because when you're out of Schlitz, you're out of malt liquor. Hey. And Finkel had to do the quote for it. A quick side note. Indulgence, self-indulgent side note. My high school football team, when they played this year, on Thanksgiving Day against their rival, the game was sponsored by a, by an, by a company called Bubba's Liquor Warehouse. A high school football game. Wow. That's... Who's slogan... Whose slogan, I am not making this up, is it's all fun and games until you run out of beer. <laughs> For a high school football game. With the logo prominently on the screen the entire time. Up on the up up on the scoreboard ticker. That's uh that that's quite, never, that's quite the thing. I was never prouder. <laughs> so it's the SummerSlam report. We get the Bret Hart Jerry Lawler fight for the crown match. We have the Undertaker Giant Gonzalez Rest in Peace match promoted, where only Undertaker knows the rules. 
That seems almost sketchy, doesn't it? I think that's... I think Jack Tunney needs a word with himself. Because so what's gone on there is the Undertaker's gone, I want a match with Giant Gonzalez. And Tunney's gone, yes, okay. We can have mystery partners in wrestling. Why can't you have mystery matches? When you sanction a mystery partner match, what you're sanctioning is this guy and someone versus this guy and someone... And mm-hmm. we, they have to choose who they bring. So that's part of the sanction of a mystery partner match. The mm-hmm. the fact that Undertaker went, I want a match against Giant Gonzalez. It's a rest in peace match. And Jack Tunney's gone, okay, so what are the rules? Undertaker's gone, I'm not telling you. And they've gone, okay, sign it. <laughs> we get there on the night. Oh, the rules are, oh, if you're called The Undertaker, you win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the rules are as follows. If Johnny Gonzalez exhales through his nostrils one time during a match, Undertaker gets his car. <laughs> exactly! This is the problem. And here are the rules of the match. The only move that can be done is Undertaker <laughs> taking out Giant Gonzalez's kneecaps with a shovel. And of course, Gonzalez signs it under duress against some boxer from the 50s. <laughs> so that's why, that's why I take umbrage with, with this being allowed. Well, you have that, and then you have... We have Mean Gene Talents that Jack Tunney will decide this Saturday if Lex Luger gets his title shot. And then Mean Gene. Mean Gene, first, first off, I love you, Mean Gene. That tribute video last week on Raw for you was tremendous. Mm-hmm. It made me miss you even more. You brightened up so many shows with your presence and your wit and your timing. Just your impeccable timing. But why did you have to sing Tiptoe Through the Toilets here? Oh, oh my God. The world did not need Means in Oakland at this point singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. We didn't need this no. on Raw anyway. No, the hell it didn't. <laughs> so we have Lex Luger campaign footage. He's in Philadelphia. We have a dramatic shot of him playing with the blinds like he's a cat. Yeah. <laughs> he did look like a cat. <laughs> Trying to figure out how the blind works on the Lex Express. Yes, he's, he's batting the cord around out of sheer boredom. It was either this work or Mr. Hughes, I guess. I don't know. How does this campaign work? Like, what is he trying to... I mean, he's trying to convince Jack... He's trying to convince Jack Tanya to give him a title shot at Yokozuna. But, how do the fans come into this? Do they tweet at Jack Tony? There's no Twitter back then. Do they call Tony's office? Do you, there's no number given. Like, how... Like, if this is some sort of like popularity contest to show how over Luger is and get and get fans behind him so that it'll justify his title match in the company's eyes, how does this work? It just feels like a colossal waste of everybody's time. And the bus. <laughs> they had to hire a driver. It and just Luger... feels like a lot of work for and... very little right like, the whole thing is and, and I'm I just I know that wrestling is all about suspension of disbelief. I know yes. that. I'm I'm the biggest purveyor of disbelief suspension that you will find. But it's like mm-hmm. Lex Luger has to go up and down the country to, to show Jack Tunney that he is worthy of a WWF championship match. And Jack Tunney's like, well, well I don't know. I'm too busy signing for matches I don't know the rules to. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Meanwhile, right, in the last six months, right, one of the head shrinkers... Yes. Crush and Virgil have had WWF Hulk. championship matches. You forgot Hulk Hogan getting a shot on the spot. And, yeah, yes, the, that's the worst.
worst one of all. Hulk Hogan just <laughs> said, oh, uh, Brett, I'm going to have a match because of reasons. <laughs> and that was all right. But Luger has got to go up and down the picking country in a bus to get Jack Tunney to notice him. Are you kidding me? And Tunney, you are a sham. And the topper for this whole thing, this was legitimate. Lex Luger actually went on that bus for seven weeks and did not wrestle. He really he did. Toured... And and God, the one thing I learned from watching, and please, please, if you if you were a fan in this era, or even if you weren't, watch the extended footage of the Lex Express call to action on the WWE <laughs> Network. Because my God, what an insight into what an absolute dullard Lex Luger truly is. And, and and how and how the people that truly deserve a WWF championship match are the people that edited this. They're the people that deserve our love and praise because they made in short snippets every week Lex Luger look like the second coming of Hulk Hogan, where the true story was he was the second coming of Dizzy Hogan. And if you're not waterlogged on all that, after that, watch the Lex Luger's 1993 timeline video from Kayfabe Commentaries. In which, in which he details what his schedule was like during those seven weeks. Sleeping on the bus, sleeping in hotel rooms, having to, having to do guest appearances on talk shows, autograph sessions, barely had time to eat and work out at his normal schedule. This was like an all-day thing for him. He barely had time to do anything else. And they're building him for a title match that he won't even win the belt in. And that's – do you know what? And, and we'll get – we. I, I, you know what? The industry's all out there, and spoilers. We'll get to it, and we'll watch it, and we'll do like a full commentary on it. But he doesn't even win. Like he doesn't even win. All this, he doesn't had he, had, even win. Had he won the friggin' belt, you would have said, "Well, that's a lot to get a guy a friggin' belt." But okay, but no, he doesn't even get the friggin' belt. <laughs> You're like, what's the point? Are we? Are we just? Are we just buying time whilst the wheel that is this planet turns for another 12 months? What's the point in anything? You really start asking yourself some deep questions when you look at the Lex Express. Having John Cena and Roman Reigns power up in match to beat the top heels, that is mere child's play compared to how they try to make Lex Luger the top guy. It does, to, to, to move away a little bit from that, I mean, it shows that in 1993, this was a simpler time where you could just send Lex Luger around on a bus and people were, like, clamouring for him. Like, people were cheering and loving him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the fun that we'd have in this century sending Roman Reigns out on a bus doing a call to action? Could you imagine some of those videos appearing on Instagram stories of that bus getting egged? Yes. That would, it, would, it would be something. It would be amazing. <laughs> that's why you, Roman Reigns rolling into town, 19. trying to pull into a car park, and there's like somebody's put a load, of, somebody's put a load of shopping trolleys in the way to stop him from pulling into the car park. Where the hell the guy in the Ring of Honor shirt got a spike strip? <laughs> oh God, the Roman Reigns Express. John. 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 <laughs> If you can Photoshop a real pocket and throw a spike strip down in front of the, in front of the Roman Express, please. Oh, oh God, the the Roman Express would have just it would have, but you would have seen all this lovely polished footage on Raw, but yet you'd have just seen tweets 
and Instagram stories of just people being a dick to that car. Every time they'd have left that bus, if it was the Roman Express, they'd come back and the tyres would have been slit. Every time, I guarantee it. And Windows the caved in. And in the, in the following week, he's flying by in the Roman Zeppelin. Throw your spike ships now, assholes. <laughs> just a burning car. A burning coach with that had previously graffitied on it, pushed Zack Ryder on the back. And M-O-M. Oh, fuck God's sake. <laughs> and, 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 and the beat the band. It was kids in Philly shirts oh. cheering on Lex Luger. <laughs> now, on a personal note, this is why we lost the 93 World Series. Because of this. <laughs> this is why. You put too much energy into Lex. This was the bad karma that caused Mitch Williams to throw that bad pitch down the middle that caused oh. us the World Series. We've you got, assholes. We have, to, we have to pull this back a bit because we've got many more weeks of the Lex Express. And I feel like every yes. week, we just click, every time we watch footage, all you're going to hear on this podcast is me and you going, what's the point? What's the point of all this? I think I may have gotten a lot on this one. but <laughs> I think I've got more. It's just pushed a bit further down. Bastion Booger versus Scott Detray. And, and Detray looks like Bob Backlund's illegitimate kid. He's an interesting-looking fellow, but then I feel bad saying that because he stood next to Bastion Booger. Yes, and who Bobby Heenan merrily, and I mean merrily, said he still has his hump. <laughs> that, that hump is weird. That hump is weird. It's just it's where the outfit rucks up, and it's deliberate. It's just as if he's not monstrous enough looking as it is. It just brought him such joy to see the hump. Savage suggests that Booger needs Ico Pro, which is as great a plug as you'll ever see. <laughs> it's like, dude, I, if I may, is the world champion not a 550-pound sumo wrestler? <laughs> Who, Although, there last... is something to be said for Bastion Booger doing an Ico Pro commercial where he's just sat on one of the training machines just eating the powder. Yes, on top of like a like a, a, a hoagie or something, <laughs> sprinkling it on some on some tortillas. Oh, and did said five hundred fifty pound world champion not destroy a very muscular man on last week's episode of Raw? He certainly did. Putting him, hospitalizing him. Like, <laughs> you goes fat and crushes muscular. I don't know what that means. <laughs> So Booger beats the crap out of the prey. Vince plugs a TV movie called Caught in the Act, which I looked up, and it, it looks wonderful. Booger finishes him with the charmingly named Trip to the Batcave, which is my favorite name for a move ever. You see, because, okay, I can't explain it. No, I, 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 I'd like to, but it's pretty grim. And there is yes. the off chance that if you're listening to this, you might be eating food. Um, so when you're not, Google uh, Trip to the Batcave. And... <laughs> Uh, have fun. Not, not Google image search. Just look up the term. Yeah, just Google the term. Maybe on your phone rather than a work PC. Bobby Heenan saves this match when Vince plugs the caught in the act movie. And Bobby Heenan says, isn't that Pee Wee Herman's movie? Ooh, spicy joke. That actually is. That is a very course, spicy joke of the time. Of course, I knew a guy about 25 years ago had a bumper sticker that says, we're pulling for you, Pee Wee. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, Google that. <laughs> Uh, but again, not on a work computer and not images. Exactly. Next week's show, we have Bret Hart versus Bam Bam Bigelow, which sounds like a great match, but as you will see in one week's time, it was slightly compromised. Well, we will get to it in a week's time. At the moment, I'm I'm cool with like Bret Hart and Bam Bam Bigelow. That's cool. 
<laughs> oh, the match itself is fine, but it, there is a layer of hindrance to it. Oh, okay. That makes it a, a, a little less... Shall we say a, a bit less fun than you'd expect. Booger's done. We've got Bam Bam and Brett next week, and it is time for the King's Court featuring Jerry the King Lawler and his very special guest, pop culture sensation from way off of the past, Tiny Tim. Now, here's my question, first off. Well, mine is who the F is Tiny Tim, because he didn't really cut through in the UK. Okay, Tiny Tim was this novelty singer who, spoke in a, who sang in a very high falsetto voice. Like, like, like basically, imagine... Imagine if you would, if the Bee Gees, like, like okay, he makes the Bee Gees sound, sound like the guys are saying, oh yeah, do bow bow, that level of deepness. <laughs> His voice is so high, Tiny Tim, when he sings, but that's by design, because his normal voice is actually pretty, uh, sounds like Rob Bartlett, kind of, actually. He sounds quite, um, fabulous when he speaks. <laughs> he sounds like a village New Yorker. Yes. Let's put it that way. Yes, that's a nice way of saying it. That's a nice way. So he walks out. He looks, and in terms of like facially, it's a bit like, imagine Weird Al Yankovic looking at his circus yes. mirror. It's like if Weird Al was 73 years old. Yeah. Yeah, he's a bit like that. And he's wearing a Mickey Mouse suit. Yeah, like a, a suit covered in little Mickey Mouse faces. And he's got a little ukulele with him. It's yeah, quite it's a, a striking image. Now, my second question here is, what was the demographic for this? Vince McMahon was the demographic. Because Vince because... McMahon was so excited to have Tiny Tim on Raw. Like, every time Tiny Tim spoke, you hear him going, ha, 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 yeah, this is funny. <laughs> it was 24 years since the famed Johnny Carson moment where Tiny Tim married Miss Vicky. So, still a little match here. 90, see, 2019 minus 24 is 1995. Holy crap, that's way off. See, who's, who's big in 1995? Um, okay, okay. Imagine if you would, if they brought out the cast of 1995 Baywatch today. Here's Yasmin Belief. Here's the guy that played Logan. Hey, kids, remember them? Or whether it's like, I don't know whether these guys cut through in the States. I think they were a British act. It would be like... On NXT UK, them bringing out, without a trace of irony, the Out Here Brothers. Not familiar with that. Not familiar. Don't stop moving, baby. You're moving. Drive me crazy. Um, it was it was awful. One hit wonder and never heard from again. And of the time. And imagine them coming out today, but without a trace of irony. So Yasmin Bleeth walking out, but them not making like wisecracks about how old and how awkward a reference this is exactly it's like like wow she looks just as great as she did running down the beach on baywatch but here's like, the thing even in his heyday tiny tim would not have made sense on monday night raw no <laughs> that's the that's the funniest part of all like even if he was of the time like wwf has previously been connected with alice cooper cindy lauper Mr. T, and now Tiny Tim. Yes, this is a... Uh... Now, it's my understanding, according to Melcher's notes, that Tiny Tim is making a bit of a comeback at this point. So it, it was like a, a, a bizarre resurgence for this novelty act. 
but even then, it's like I'm nine years old. I had no. I thought it was gonna be the kid from a Christmas, uh, a Christmas Carol. <laughs> that would have been. I, that's funny, what I thought yeah. it was gonna be. Like, because that's what I thought it was. I'm, I'm like, like, who's this old dude? So it's he one walks of those out. Things and, where if you're keen to have celebrities on, I get that. Vince is always keen to have some sort of celebrity connection, but you have to reach a point where you go, either do it well or don't do it at all. Yeah, and it almost felt like they were almost making fun of Tiny Tim here. Like, because I actually felt bad for him by the time this was over. Like, he was like, he was trying to play along and be jovial, but they were just making fun of him. He had like, like no real comebacks, and it was like. What's the point to this? Well, he had one funny line at the end. So basically the whole thing was Jerry Lawler making like jabs about his age and his look and all this stuff. But then as soon as he moved the microphone towards Tiny Tim's mouth, Tiny Tim was so softly spoken and so polite that you he didn't really get an answer in. You couldn't really answer the question. And it was right at the end where the crowd started chanting Burger King. And Jerry Lawler said, oh, these people think I'm the Burger King. And that was when he piped up. He was like, you're not the Burger King. You're the Dairy Queen. It's like, hey, there's the line. There's the line. Crowd did laugh at that. I will say that. Although I, 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 I did die a little bit inside. But Jerry had to give it another run up because he knew that he hadn't picked up the line properly. I'm sure they yes, said it and... twice. Yes, and Lawler got his revenge at the end by smashing the ukulele, to which Tiny Tim, to his credit, he did sell it. I thought this reaction was wonderful. When, okay. like, he literally hit the ground and he looked like a silent movie actor. Just like, <laughs> like his loved one had died when Jerry Lawler like, smashes ukulele. It was like Willem Dafoe being shot from behind the platoon. <laughs> Will Dafoe wishes he acted this well. <laughs> it's what it looked like just in tears melodramatic because his ukulele has been smashed the famed one that he brought on Johnny Carson BS Tiny Tim the presence of Tiny Tim was a nuisance up until the last 45 seconds of his appearance when he made a joke that made everybody laugh and his reaction to the breaking of the ukulele it was terrible but he did all he could yeah, he was working like he was. He was like you say. He was on the comeback trail by the sound of it. So he, he was completely out of his element. Yeah, it was. It and was wrong. They put him in that situation. It didn't feel right at all. But he did what he could with with the publicity he got. Right, it's not his fault. No, not it at all. Just, it was just poorly conceived and mostly badly executed. Up until he he kind of charmed me at the end there, and you as well. He really did, but I do not want to see him again. <laughs> Don't worry, you won't. Good. That's fine. <laughs> he actually died three years after. Oh, gosh. Was he still sad um, about the ukulele? Uh, he actually died during a performance, actually. Oh, dear. He, he started to have a heart attack after he performed at some festival. He walked over to his table afterwards, and he just collapsed and never woke back up. Bloody hell. That's like how Tommy Cooper died. Yeah, on stage. Yeah. I, I've seen that footage. It's... It's very, it's very disturbing. For oh, it's, Don't ever watch it's, that. It's kids. the fact that everybody is, everybody's laughing because this is, for all intents and purposes, Tommy Cooper, like keeling over like that, is part of the routine. Yeah, and like, oh, Tommy's so funny. Oh, the the curtains coming down. Oh God, yeah, that was horrible. Well, that's how Red Fox died. He, Red Fox always did that bit on on San Francisco. He'd fake a heart attack, say Elizabeth, I'm coming, and then he he's on the set of a different TV show. He's starting to have a real heart attack. I never thought he was just joking around. But no, he collapsed. Jeez. Right. Enough Tiny Tim. Main event time. 
This first match doesn't involve celebrity death in any way. It's the one, two, three kid versus Chris Duffy. Chris Duffy looks like Jim Gaffigan if he were a wrestler. Uh, just a very simple match here. It just kid uh, dominates most of the way. Money Inc.'s watching from the aisle way to set up the angle involving them and Razor. Um, Razor climbs over the guardrail from the other side, so he's foreshadowing his, his NWO debut in three years. Kid's getting in his fast-paced offense. He finishes with a finishes pretty fast with a diving leg drop to the back of the head. And he he sees Money Inc. in the aisle way. He sees Razor on the other side. He's not friends with Razor yet. Even though they're both baby faces, in, in Kid's mind, Razor still wants to beat him up for stealing his money, obviously. So Kid jumps the rail on the other side of the ring just to avoid everybody. So he just legs it, doesn't he? He just he just takes the high ground and gets out of there. You know, between that and at, and asking if Razor's offer was in cash, this is a smart kid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what I liked about this main event was uh, it. it you can now we can now one hundred percent confirm that the jobber has become the jobby. As one yes, two three kid who was brought in as an enhancement is now fighting other enhancements. Yes, he has graduated. And he had his own entrance and everything. You know, you don't see DiBiase mocking Blake Beverly for losing to the kid. You don't, do you? But I guess that yeah. DiBiase has more of an issue with Razor Ramon. Well, yeah, I guess Blake is just like beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> Poor Blake. He's already lost bow and he's grown his chest hair. And what else, did he never did? what else can you really take from him at this point? Exactly. So one, two, three so, kids made a run for it. So now, but DBRC yeah. and Ramon are kind of just hovering around. Yeah, Razor's kind of mocking him from a distance and doing the one, two, three thing with his fingers just to kind of get in his head a little bit to foreshadow how that goes. Which, unfortunately, that match will not be on Raw. That's a superstars match. Oh, that's a shame. I was looking forward to seeing DBRC and one, yeah. two, three kid. I'll tell you how it ends though. Go on then. DBRC has kid beaten. He has him thoroughly beaten. Razor's standing in the aisle way. DiBiase's kind of hot-dogging a bit. He lays on Kid when facing Razor, kind of lounging back. One, two. Kid rolls him the crucifix pin. One, two, three. Pins DiBiase. What? Razor laughs at him. DiBiase blows a gasket. That's amazing. Sean, Mike, Sean Maltman beats Ted DiBiase. That's ace. All future NWO mates, including IRS. And speaking of NWO mates, we come to Randy Savage at the very end of the show. He's posing with some little kid who's dressed as Randy Savage. And Vince McMahon introduced him as the Macho Boy. <laughs> he gives him bunny ears and Vince smacks his arm, which is kind of funny. <laughs> it's just this adorable kid who was presumably in the crowd, just dressed as Ra Macho Man Randy Savage. So Savage pulls him into the commentary desk and they do a little little bit to camera together. It was cute. Yeah, it was, it was a little sweet spot there. Very nice. Savage always uh, very charitable, always loved the kids. We have, a, we have a plug for Brett versus Bam Bam for next week. And we have, a, we have a parting shot of the bus headed down the highway to its next destination. <laughs> Look out for spikes Google. in the road. Well, it's not Roman, so it's okay. <laughs> so, as we tiptoe back through the tulips, uh, what do we make of Monday Night Raw this week, Justin? Well, it started off really beautiful with that wonderful match. Actually, I could sum it up really good. I once read a review for a 1993 film called Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, which is the ninth Friday of 13th movie. And I remember the opening line was, what a great beginning, what a terrible remainder. <laughs> that sums up Raw most weeks, actually. Well, yeah, but 
on Raw most weeks, you don't have Tiny Tim. You don't have, you know, the mind screw trying to figure out how this whole Luger thing's supposed to work. You don't have Oscar yelling at the camera. You don't have nameless jobbers who resemble Bob Backlund and Jim Gaffigan getting beaten up. I mean, Sean and Marty was excellent. Match of the year level candidate. Maybe not match of the year, but it's in the discussion. And then after that, whew, it kind of went off a cliff. I think once they get to the point where <sighs> the middle and the end look a bit like the beginning, then Raw's going to be great. Well, will it ever get to that point? I'm, I'm starting to lose faith. Well, I'm watch- Well, in 2019, we haven't got to that point. So <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, yes. But that'll, that'll do it, I think, for this week. It's been... Um, Fun-packed episode of Raw. Um, there'll be plenty more questioning of the Lex Express as weeks go on. Um, feel free to share your thoughts with us on Twitter. At JRH Writing is Justin Henry. Uh, I'm at Tom Campbell. Uh, we are together at Cultaholic. Seriously, what is the point in the Lex Express? Love you, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Mm -hmm.